Welcome to the Pockets of Knowledge podcast, where we share illuminating stories and knowledge to inform, educate, inspire and empower you in the areas of business, health, finance, philanthropy, art, and entrepreneurship, designed to help you achieve your goals. And now here is your host, Desiree Stanley. Welcome everyone to the Pockets of Knowledge podcast. I'm your host, Desiree Stanley. And with me today is my special guest, Allie Flynn. Welcome to the show, Allie. I'm so excited to have you on today. How are you? So good. Thank you so much for having me. We were discussing at the start how this is the first good timing that I've had with anyone overseas. So I'm super excited to be recording at a normal time when I'm awake and haven't got up in the middle of the night. I know that's fantastic. I'm so glad it worked out for both of us. Allie is the founder of Tri Altitude Fitness and Performance, and she also has her own podcast, and that's Challenges That Change Us. And we're going to be talking about those and very specifically a couple of major things that happen in your life that has impacted your, your life and your direction. And so why don't you go ahead and tell us to start what it was that sort of prompted you to launch the Tri Altitude Performance? Well, that's a big question. So I have a background in psychology and law. That was what I studied my undergrad in. And then I worked in mental health for quite some time with children and young people that had been sexually assaulted or living on the streets. And so really, really love that. And then had three little girls of my own. So I stepped away from that therapy work just because it was so intense. And I didn't know that I had the capacity at that point in time to be able to be there for my clients. And after my second little one was born, I was looking for how I could still help people. You know, I was like, if I'm not going to go back into therapy right now, what else can I try? And that's when the gym I was working at asked me if I'd consider coming and being a personal trainer, which I'd never considered. And I was like, yeah, I I can do that. What does that look like? And over here in Australia, it's like a six month TAFE course. So I went and did that and started becoming a personal trainer. From there, I did my next certificate, which meant I could work one-on-one with people. And another gym in our little town reached out to me and said, would you consider opening a business here? And you can have access to the client, access to this room. We won't charge you anything if you'd consider doing that. And that was where my business started. I had never in my wildest dreams ever considered running a business, nor did I come from a family of business owners. And I had a really good conversation with one of my friends about business being like, is this something I should do? You know? And he said, look, it's high reward, low risk. What have you got to lose? And that's where it started. So I went into the gym, I opened my own business in fitness and we'll talk about this a little bit later, but I had a, I had a stroke about six weeks into it. And then after my stroke, that's when I started to develop this next company that we're talking about, try out a true performance. So post-stroke, I grew three companies and the international podcast. And it was part of my healing journey. It was part of my recovery. They are all vehicles on how I can help people. They're just different vehicles. Right. Yeah, that's amazing. And really interesting how it's such a shift, although it still remains in that realm of helping people, right? Whether it was through therapy or through physical means you're still helping people. That's amazing. And that this also was something that helped you during this difficult time in your life as well. And so let's go ahead and talk then about 
what it was that you were working with the clients in the, the therapy side, because we had talked before about DISC and the, the personality profiling. And so tell us a little bit about that and what that means exactly. Yeah. So my, the reason I got into psychology in the first place is because I grew up with quite a lot of violence around me as a child, sexual violence, physical violence, verbal violence, emotional violence. So from there, I got really interested in human behavior from a very young age. I started to notice how people moved, what they said, what was unsaid and unspoken in the room. And that's what led me into psychology. And that's how I found this profiling. It's a type of personality profiling. There's lots out there. They're all fabulous. They all have their strengths and weaknesses. What I love about DISC more than anything is that it has a really good language that everyone that I work with tends to remember four, five, six, seven years later. The companies I work with, I often get people coming back around and saying, I still use this. I still use the strategies because it's got everyday language that we can kind of digest. And it really works on turning conflict into collaboration. Like, I say to people, you know that moment that you're sitting there and you're watching someone do something and you think, what on earth are they doing? Or why are they doing it that way? Or if I was doing that, it would look very different. And that's sort of like we're speaking Latin and they're speaking French and we don't quite understand why they're doing what they're doing, how they're doing what they're doing, what's driving and motivating that behavior. So DISC allows us to start to unpack that. It allows us to start to gain self-awareness around what we do and why we do it, awareness around why other people perhaps do what they do, and then how we bridge that, how we truly start to appreciate why other people do it differently and where their genius lane is and why it looks so different to ours and how we can capitalize and maximize on that. Oh, that's amazing. And really, let's dig into that a little bit more because I know that DISC stands for something. And each letter of the word is different things. And so why don't you go ahead and tell us about that? Yeah. So I normally um, start explaining this. If you think about it like a circle with a cross through the middle, anyone that sits at the top of the circle is like big picture, strategy, fast paced, dynamic. Down the bottom, I always think about more detailed focus. Over to one side, so over to the right is more people focus. So they make decisions and prioritize people. And then over to the left, they prioritize and think about tasks. So you can start to divide it up in that very simple way. And then we start to look at the quadrants. So D stands for dominance. And anyone that sits in that category is really driven and ambitious and loves a good challenge, loves winning, quite competitive, can be quite robust. And, you know, one of the challenges to that is at times they can seem to steamroll over someone to get what they want because they're so results driven action and results and what's in it for me. And we need those people, right? Because they're the ones that climb multiple mountains. They're the ones that are fast paced. They're the ones that can take multiple projects and really get momentum at the start. So that's kind of in that D category. And then we move over to the I category, which is an influencer. And they're more focused on big picture and people. So they're really dynamic as well, but they're more extroverted and you know, I often think you hear them before you see them. They're very expressive in the way that they talk. They use body language. They're really focused on people and energy in the room. They often smile a lot and they tend to use and rely on their gut. So instead of looking at the facts and the detail, they'll be like, oh, this feels like something I should do. Or this feels right. 
or I can see that that person's not quite, something's going on for them. I might just go over and ask. Yeah. So one of the challenges with a high eye is that they lack that detail. So sometimes they're so fast paced and so quick moving and so quick to put their hands up and say, yes, I'm in. They forget to layer it with the smarts. So that's when that can become quite challenging for them because our greatest strength is by far our greatest weakness. So what makes us thrive and brilliant in this world can also pull us under at times. And we talk about that when we talk about DISC. It's like no one quadrant is better than the other. No one trait is better than the other. It's about us understanding and unpacking the traits so that we know when they serve us and work for us and are resourceful as opposed to unresourceful or challenging or making things harder than they need to be. So they're the top two, D and I, and then we come down to the bottom of the quadrant. So there's the S, which is steady, and they keep the peace. They're calm. They look for long-term stable relationships. So where they're still about people, they're not so much about multiple people and making fast, quick interactions with people. They're about long-term stable relationships. And you know, when you're in a workplace and you've got the people that they just they're calm and they like to make sure that everyone's right and they take a little longer to make decisions usually so they can be indecisive at times. Sometimes they can find it hard to change. So if they don't have all the detail, if they don't know the why, then the change can be like, huh, I don't know how I feel about that because they're looking for steadiness and consistency. And then we move over to the C's, which is conscientiousness. And that's really typical of someone that sits in the C space is analytical, reserved, detailed focus. So they're more logistical, systematic, and analytical. I, I sort of think about like a perfectionist, you know, where they're like quality over quantity. So they're not going to necessarily speak up unless they know that what they're saying is right. They're not just going to use words willy nilly, and they're not just going to throw ideas out there. They're going to have thought about it, be really considered. And they're the really great at finishing projects. So, you know, that last 10% that just really lifts it up and makes it really professional. Someone that sits in that category can really help in that space because they, they prioritize quality and they prioritize finishing things and they prioritize perfectionism. Yeah. So that's a very loose way of saying, <laughs> we talk about this for like days. That's like in 20 minutes. <laughs> yeah. No, that, that was fantastic. I really, a great way to explain those different quadrants, as you said, because Really, we are kind of a piece of all of those, right? Just we have more like a higher level of, of, of each quadrant or maybe multiple quadrants, right? And I can certainly see how the interaction between people who are the different uh, personality types, if you will, could cause some you know, problem in the workplace or problem in the home or with families because you maybe don't see that side of it as well because it's not your you know forte and and so understanding how somebody may be in this other quadrant could maybe make it a little bit easier in relationships in the workplace and so on right yeah and it's really what we find easier and where our energy lies so you know anyone can shift a mold between the quadrants but it just takes a little more energy from us i talk about you know if you're a teacher and it's getting to report writing time and you're in the detail and you find that exhausting, then potentially you don't sit in the C space. <laughs> but if you're someone that thrives on that and loves that, but finds parent-teacher interviews a little bit challenging in Australia, that's where you go in and you actually talk to people about it, then perhaps you sit down in that lower quadrant. But it is, most people are a combination of two 
with maybe one or two priorities in the third. Where we usually get most frustrated is where we have the least amount of traits. So for example, if you sit in the ID space or the IDS space and someone sits in the C, we often don't understand why they're doing what they're doing or why they're taking that little bit longer or why they're so focused on the detail. It doesn't make sense in our world, but when we can truly appreciate that that is what we need and that that is where the absolute gold comes from, that's when the magic really happens. Oh yeah, that's excellent. Thank you for going into all the detail on that and really um, kind of filling in some of the uh, gaps there in understanding because it's really important. Understanding somebody else's position and perspective really is is very important in that the communication and the relationship and having uh, good, solid ties and an effective workplace if, if we're talking about a workplace. So that was awesome. What we use it for is a tool for dialogue, not diagnosis. So it's like, it's just a tool that we use. Like if you go and learn your six love languages or your six human needs, or you learn a prioritizing skill, like an impact of needs. And if all these words, everyone's like, I don't know what she's talking about. Look them up because you'll find them online and they're all free, but they're just, it's a tool that we use. Like if you think of a jigsaw puzzle, disc is just one piece of that puzzle. But the more we get, the more pieces we get of that puzzle, the more we can see the landscape and the more quality we can bring to our lives and our relationships with others. Yeah, awesome. And so are you using this now also in, in the work that you're doing with the, the Tri-Altitude Performance? Or, I mean, because you, you've mentioned three businesses that you're operating and the podcast, which is, you know, just phenomenal. So are you using that in also the, these other companies or was that strictly when you were just doing the therapy? No, we do it. We do a lot. So personally, I use it on an everyday basis. I use it with my staff, my clients and my children and my husband. Like I, I live and breathe in the disc space and I'm constantly like having language around that. But we actually run courses, usually a four hour workshop or a full day. And then we have a series of workshops where we go into corporate space and we help people understand themselves and then the people that they're working with, their colleagues, and then how we can start to bridge that gap and then give them a really nice framework for communicating. So if that's not your natural way of communicating, if you're someone that likes to send an email and put all the detail in, how do we help you at times take some of that detail out? Or if you're someone that doesn't put all the detail in and you're just really high level, big picture, fast paced, and you don't think to add the detail, how do we help support you to do that? Yeah. So we do, we use it a lot in triattitude performance. I probably run about, at the moment I'm running one a week, <laughs> one oh workshop God. a week. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Absolutely love it. Yeah. That's excellent. And, you know, it's kind of funny how you mentioned about the emails, because I find that sometimes I'm just like quick sentences and then send. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, wait, wait, before you send that, reread what they said. Make sure you're answering all the things that they're talking about. They need, you know, an answer on. And I go back and fill in more detail. And then I take so much time going back and adding so much detail. It's like, oh, there's yeah. got to be a, a middle spot that I, I can find that would be just right. I think that's asking the person, right? Like, so we often don't know. So sometimes we need to check in, like, how was that for you? Did that work? Did you need more from me or did you need less from me? Yeah. Awesome. Well, let's um, talk then about maybe some lessons that you've learned along the way that you use to help people in this manner with, with the DISC training. Yeah. Okay. So, well, 
emails is definitely one of them. Perhaps the best place to start for your listeners is to think about some situations that they found challenging recently in the workplace. Mm. So what do they look like? And when you start to think back through, is there a kind of pattern starting to emerge? So is it consistently with one person or perhaps is it a consistent with a something that you do in the workplace? For example, if you've got to hand in reports at the end of every month, then that's when you start to feel that anxiety or that's when you start to shut down. So once you've sort of had a bit of a step back, a bit of a reflection on, oh, when do I feel uncomfortable? When do I feel stressed or vulnerable? What is it about that situation? So what is it about that that makes me feel uncomfortable? And and what do people notice and see in my behavior? So am I someone that will attack out? Or am I someone that will go quiet? Am I someone that will talk more, talk less? Like what does it look like when I start to notice those situations? And then starting to think about, okay, so what is the other person? What are they experiencing? What's their perspective? What outcome are they trying to achieve? And why is it not working between us? And have we had the conversation? Because so often I think we just get on the run and we're just doing it as we do it, you know, like life is busy, right, for all of us. And we often forget to come back in and check in with the person and say, hey, you know how we did this the other day? I kind of left feeling a bit blur or I kind of left feeling a little bit frustrated. Can we unpack that? Can we have a chat about that? It's not about you. I just want to make sure that, you know, how can we do that differently next time so we don't both walk away feeling like this? And so that revisiting and that coming back and having a language, that's where DISC really helps because it externalizes it from us as the human. We don't necessarily take it so personally when we see it up on a page, on a one page and we're like, ah, right. So it's just, we're just different. It's not an attack. It's not a criticism. It's just, I do it differently. And then we've got a language. We've got a shared language that we can come in and have those conversations about. I know my team, they call me Violet. I'm in that high D space, that really like get shit done space. And my team have permission to say to me, can you please put Violet away today? (laughs) Can you just (laughs) pop her away? Because I really need that softer side of you. And I really appreciate that because I can get really task driven and results driven, especially in the office. And by them saying that and calling me on that allows me to either say to them, do you know what? We actually need to get this done. We're on a tight deadline. What do you need from me now if we're going to really get this done? Or I can soften, soften my shoulders, soften my hands, because usually I'm quite uptight when I'm in that, that sort of space. And then I usually think, they need something from me. So let me connect in with them. Ask them how they are. Ask them what's going on for them. Ask them what they need to set themselves up for success for that day. So it just kind of alerts me to change my behavior a little bit or change the way I communicate a little bit so that we can both work really productively together and get the outcome that we're both coming in to do. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's wonderful. Thank you very much. That was fantastic. And you did give some really good pointers there that I think everybody can take away. And it's, you know, sitting back and reflecting what's happening internally with me right now and, you know, what's happening with the other person. And I think that that's a fantastic starting place for everybody, right? Yeah. 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 Being aware of what your emotional pattern is, you know, what's your emotional signature and when is it on repeat and are you aware of it and what can you be putting in place if you don't want it to look like that in that moment? Yeah. Excellent. Well, let's go ahead and uh, transition now and talk a little bit about, as you mentioned in the beginning, that you had had a stroke 
And at, at what age was this for you that this happened? And what kind of led up to it? And then how was your rehabilitation after? Yeah, so I was 32 when it happened. I had three kids under three and a half. My baby was still on the boob. And this is when I just started that fitness business. So we're about six weeks in. I'd finished my site degree. I'd finished my post-grad. I had two little kids on the ground or three little kids on the ground. And I was kind of just doing the mum thing with a tiny like business on the side, like a hobby. And I went up to the bathroom one day to get dressed to go and run a boot camp. And I got this headache on my left and pins and needles down my right. And when I say headache, I mean like in that moment, I thought I was going to die. Like it was Mm. so significant that I knew that I was in serious trouble. And I screamed out to my husband and he walked up to the bathroom and he knew straight away, like whatever it was about that situation, we both clicked in. And I remember thinking I'm having a stroke followed by no, I'm 32 and super fit as if, and he says he had exactly the same thought. She's having a stroke. Oh no, she's so fit. She's so healthy. Like no way. And he, luckily he worked at the hospital. So he drove us into town, but he put the three kids in the car. And I just remember looking at the speedo and he was going about 60 Ks over the speed limit. And I thought, we're not going to make it. Like we're not going to get there. And that's because he works in the hospital. He's got the understanding of how serious it is with a stroke and how quickly you need to get in. And we arrived at ED. And by the time I got there, I couldn't recognize anyone, anyone that he worked with, couldn't recognize my mom. I lost my short-term memory. So the damage that happened in my brain, I had two strokes here locally in our rural town before they airlifted me to Sydney, which is a major city in Australia and got me to a big hospital. And that meant that I lost my short-term memory. And I also lost my vision in both quadrants in my eyes. And I couldn't read and write, couldn't stand on one leg. I knew who I was. I knew I had three kids. I knew who my husband was, but I knew nothing about the day. So every day I'd wake up and I'd be like, where am I? Why am I here? what on earth has happened? You know, like just, it was just a memory of a sieve. Anything that was new information went in one ear and straight out the other ear. <laughs> like it's, it's interesting. My mum has dementia now and I see it in her. And so I totally understand that there's no rhyme or reason or prioritizing to the memory. It's like things just go in and go out. There's no kind of grab. There's no like cementing in your brain. It just like floats in and floats out as if it never happened. <laughs> So I spent about four months in hospital and initially I thought I was fighting for my life. So it was very much crisis situation, all hands on deck. And then as the weeks and months passed, they realized that I had a rare brain condition that people only get for four months of your life, supposedly, and only 5% result in stroke. So they're like, we just need to get you through this four months and then we focus on rehab and it should never happen again. So very, yeah, very unusual, unique circumstances, quite a rare brain condition. And it took months, years to kind of feel like I got back to even a seven out of 10. So the months following the hospital, like having a sign on my front door that said, don't walk out, you have three children. Because I knew I had children. I just didn't know they were with me. Mm. I didn't know they were in the house. So I would like walk out, leave the door open and my baby would crawl out onto the main road. Or my husband would get home and say like, have you fed the kids? And I'd have to look around to see if there were plates if there were dirty plates, because I would have no idea. And there's no kind of tracking back. Like for the audience, you know, when you you lose something and you think, oh, where did I last have that? Oh, I had it last night. When I got home, I took my jacket off. I walked into the kitchen and I popped something in that drawer, perhaps in that area. That's what I didn't have the ability to do. Mm -hmm. So I'd be like, oh, I don't know. And it's just like this blankness. It's like a blank A4 sheet of paper. There's no kind of like 
things to kind of grasp on to kind of map your way back to something or an event or an experience or a person. So knowing people's names, I still struggle with that. Like I can meet someone, like if I met you tomorrow, I'd be like, oh, have we met? So that's, that's been really hard. As a big, when we talked about DIST, I'm a people person. I love people and relationships are so critical in my world. I, I connection and people are just one of my top priorities and, and not remembering people makes it really hard on a day-to-day basis. I feel like I'm letting them down and I feel like I'm letting myself down at times by not knowing them. Yeah. And then. I built the company. So from there, part of my rehab was like, how do I do this? Like, how do I get some sort of life back? And what does that look like? And who am I now? Like, that's who I was, but I'm never going to be that person again. Like my road has suddenly changed. I was walking on gravel before and now I'm walking on bitumen. So what does that look like? And how do I find joy? And how do I find passion? And how do I find contentment with this new framework? And that's where I just started step by step. One, I know we hear it a lot, but it it really worked for me one step at a time. If I can't stand on one leg today, what can I do today that's going to get me one step closer to standing on one leg? And once I can balance on one leg, what's one thing I can do that's going to get me one step closer to being able to walk around the block? With my reading, like I used to sit down and read those kids' books with my eldest child who was by this stage about five, and I'd struggle on words and she would help me. And I remember thinking, I need to go to kindergarten with her and start over. But she starts at kindergarten and she gets to year 12 and then she'll go to uni and she'll go on. So I can do that too. Like if I just start where she's starting at kindy and slowly, moment by moment, day by day, week by week, do that one thing, it's going to add up. And then, yeah, just over a couple of years, started to improve, started to grow companies, fell in love with business. And I've been really fortunate, amazing people around me, amazing clients and yeah, it's definitely set me up for success when there's curveballs in business, as we all know, when there's problems that we feel like, oh, how are we going to solve that? Just always come back to that moment. Okay, let's take stock. Where are we? What do we know? You know, if you think of a traffic light, if we're in the red, we don't need to get to the green today. We just need to edge a little closer to the orange. So what's the problem we're dealing with? What's the beast? What do we know? What can we control? What can't we control? And let's get to work on the stuff we can control and let's let go of the shit that we can't control, you know? Yeah. There's, no, there's no point giving energy and time and resource to something you can't change. Wow, Ali, that's just, just phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing that with us. And it's so incredible. What, what a journey that you have been on and to be where you are now and running these businesses and running your podcast and helping so many people where you were at that moment to now is just an amazing accomplishment. And wow, it's just fantastic. So thank you so much for sharing that with us. And the points that you made about just what's one step I can do today to get me forward applies to everyone that's in a difficult position or in a difficult time in their life. What's just one thing I can do right now to move me forward? And that's so great to remember. So thank you for bringing that up. Amazing. And I was just thinking you said that also, like, let's not underestimate our attitude. You know, no one chooses that for us. And we get to pick that every single day that we wake up before we put our two feet on the ground. We choose the attitude that we're going to walk in the world with and how we're going to show up. And and it's not permanent. So we can change that throughout the day. You know, if it gets a bit sticky or it gets a bit rough or you're having a bit of a challenge, 
just come back and go, what attitude am I showing up with now? And and how do I want to be in this world? And how do I want people to experience me? And am I, am I there for myself through this moment? Because attitude is key and it really does go a very, very long way for recovery and building businesses and facing problems head on. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That's just, I'm still processing everything that you said, because I, I can't imagine as a mother myself, my daughters are grown now, but being at that age, you know, with what you were going through is just, it's so powerful. I mean, wow. I just have to tell you that was just, it's amazing what you've accomplished. Really, really amazing. So you shared about what you were doing in the rehab and something that you had mentioned to me is that you also completed in an Ironman. And I'm just like flabbergasted because I know how difficult an Ironman competition is. And so tell us about that. And that was post-stroke, yes? Yeah. So that was actually a moment in ICU. I was lying in bed and I looked around and I thought, I'm the only person in here that can walk. Like, am I actually going to get out of here? And I had this real like, what am I doing here? Like, why am I still here? And it was in that moment that I made this decision that I was going to be a triathlete. And in that moment, let me be clear, I had never swum in the ocean. Like I didn't go and do ocean swims. I'd been like a, a kid that swam in the ocean, but never like go and do a K or a 2K. I didn't own a bike. I've never like ridden a road bike. And I'd only started running about maybe five months before my stroke. So I don't know where that idea came from, but I was committed to it. I was like, I am going to be recovered when I'm a triathlete. You know, when we just kind of make these big, broad stroke statements and we kind of live through them. And so it took me two years to do an Olympic triathlon post-stroke to learn all of those things. When I first started to swim, I didn't really know how to swim very well. I thought I was a good swimmer. And I went in this little competition locally. And when I got out of the pool, it was only 200 meters. Everyone else had gone because I was so slow. And then I was like, whoa, I'm going to need some help here. Like (laughs) if I want to be a triathlete and swim in the ocean, I'm going to need a coach. So I went and got a swimming coach. And then I learned how to cycle a bike, bought a bike and then learned how to cycle. And that first Olympic triathlon before the half iron, the very first one was the biggest one for me because it was something I'd committed to when I was in ICU. And two years later, it still makes me tear up today. I got there and it was one of the proudest moments because it wasn't about the event. It was about me knowing and showing my three girls that makes me cry now. You can do hard things. You can do hard things when you put your mind to it and you take it slowly and you tick it over and you get the help and support that you need. You may not know how yet. You may not know when yet, but you can do hard things and there is no problem you can't solve in this world. It might look different to how you thought you were going to solve it, but it's all solvable. So I cried for my last 10 Ks of the run sobbing because I was just like, oh, I cannot wait for my children to know this. And it was from there that I decided I was going to take it further and go and do the half iron. And that's just, you know, gets a little bit addictive. So then it just grew from there and it became part of, you know, physically I wanted to be as well as I could be. Mentally, I'd been doing a lot of training in that space, being a psych and working in the field and constantly doing PD. I felt like I felt like mentally I'd really flex that muscle a lot and there's always more work to do. But the the area that I really needed to work on now was my physical health. And so that's where I really put my time and energy and focus in, which is how the Ironman came into play. Wow. Congratulations, really, because those are some amazing accomplishments and amazing 
in themselves, but even more so when you consider where you had been just two years before. So I applaud you and those amazing accomplishments. Congratulations. So Allie, to just kind of close out, I, I want to just have you talk briefly about the podcast that you have, which is Challenges That Change Us and how that came to be, why you decided to launch that and kind of what you talk about on the show. It always makes me smile when someone asks a question in a podcast. Like when you just ask that, you're like, so how did it come about? I'm like, well, there's a big story there and we only have five minutes. <laughs> but in a nutshell, I got quite sick again after my last half eye and I got really sick and I have um, something called POTS, which you, people might be aware of. But what it means is when you stand up, your, your heart rate goes really high. There's a lot more to it, but basically standing is hard and I became exercise intolerant and I thought I was dying mm -hmm. genuinely because of my stroke. They thought my brain condition had come back and honestly thought I was dying a slow death and I wanted my kids to know that they're not alone in this world. I wanted them to know the things that I'd learned over the years in a counseling room, on a PT floor, coaching people. I wanted them to understand that we all have self-doubt. We all have like limits that we put on ourselves and we all feel like at times others are judging us and that is okay. And we're not meant to compare ourselves to others. We're meant to be in our lane and our lane is great, even with all the adversity that comes. Like it's, it's the down days, the tough days, the hard days that make the good days so good. But we need to understand that. And so when I couldn't stand up, I was like, the only thing I can do is talk right now, right? Because clearly I can talk underwater. So that's how my podcast started, Challenges That Change Us. I was like, how do I find a voice and a platform that if I'm not here, my girls can still listen mm. and that I can still help people all around the world. And so it started from this little baby in my living room. I'm just going to start. I'm just going to give it a go. And whatever happens, happens to this you know, international podcasts that we're in the Australian charts and have been since the day we started. And I just talked to people about their adversity and their challenges and, and how they navigated them and what lessons they've taken away. And, you know, there's a right strategy for the right person at the right time. And so you want to make sure you've got this really big life toolbox of strategies, of mantras, of support people, because you don't know what you're going to need to pull on when you need it. I did not know when I had my stroke that I was going to need my psych degree more than I'd ever needed it in my life. Mm -hmm. I did not know that I needed my PT coaching part of my personality that was like, just do the one thing. But I already had them in my life toolbox. It was very easy to pull on them. It was a whole well of resources that I got to tap into. So that's really what the podcast is about. How do I share stories? How do I decrease that isolation? And how do I help fill up everyone else's life toolboxes so that they can be anchored through the eye of the storm of adversity and come out thriving the other side. Yes. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So inspiring. Everything that you have shared has been truly inspiring. It's inspired me and I hope it has inspired the listeners. I can't imagine anyone not being inspired by your story and what you're doing. So thank you for sharing that. And, and I did want to ask also if there were any books that were beneficial for you during this time or that you think are influential that maybe the listeners want to take a look, check out and see if it's something that can help benefit them. Yeah, definitely huge reader. Absolutely love it. And I think it doesn't matter whether you're reading or listening to a podcast, but, you know, just allowing ourselves when we've got the space and time to fill our brains up with things that inspire us and fill our bucket up. And so I know one of the books that I looked at when I was, well, I couldn't read, so it was like a fair way along my recovery once I was reading again. 
was Limitless by Jim Kirk. And it's a fabulous book for anyone that hasn't read it. And I think the other one that I'd say is The Love Languages, which I briefly mentioned. If you haven't done that, jump online. Do It's a free quiz. You can just say, look up The Love Language Quiz, Gary Allen, and you can do that quiz now because it's not a book, but it, but it's something that can help change your life from where you are right now to how you relate and connect with other people. It's one tool you can use right now that will fundamentally change the rest of your life. Yeah, excellent. Great recommendations. And for sure, I'll link that information in the show notes so that the listeners can easily access that. So thank you again, Ali. It has been so wonderful having you on the show and you've just shared so much fantastic information and your knowledge and your story. Thank you so much. I so appreciate you being on the show with us today. Thank you so much for inviting me on. It's such a fabulous podcast. I've listened to so many of yours and I just know your listeners are taking so much away from each episode because it is, it's the pocket of knowledge. It's like pocket size (laughs) information that you can just continue to grow and, and learn to live the life that you want to live and love the life that you want to live. Yes, absolutely. Well, Ali, if uh, people want to follow your story, want to follow your podcast, what is the best way that they can do that? Is there Instagram, Facebook, anything that you'd like to share now, please do so. So I actually didn't have any socials when I started my podcast. (laughs) So anyone that goes on, you'll see that I'm just starting. Challenges that change us, it's across every platform, unless there's platforms I don't know about overseas. But as far as I know, we have lots of overseas listeners. So challenges that change us. And we do have a Facebook group under challenges that change us community. And that's probably where we put all the information for the podcast on LinkedIn as well under Ali Flynn. So I would love for your listeners to reach out. If someone's taken something away, if you want to know more information that I really do invite you to reach out, DM me or jump on the podcast and have a listen. We've always got things for offer on there. This week, we're offering a six-week resilience course. So there's, there's always little bite-sized pieces or little nuggets that they can take away. Excellent. That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. And thank you again for being on the show. It's been just a pleasure to have you. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's so beautiful to meet you. And, you know, thank you everyone that's still listening. Thanks for joining us this week on the Pockets of Knowledge podcast. Be sure to join us again next week for more great information designed to educate, inspire, and empower you to achieve your goals. And thanks again for listening. Thank you all for being here. I'm thrilled to have you join me for my new podcast. If you found this episode enjoyable, I'd love for you to show your support by following, rating, and reviewing on your favorite podcast platform. Your feedback will not only help me improve, but it will also help others discover the content. Happy listening.